0: In 1956, Cecil B. DeMille set out to make what would be his final film. A film that was, in his own words,
1: The story of the birth of freedom. The story of Moses.
0: That was The Ten Commandments. And this is Godfellas! Saddle up with Mickey and me As we head on an adventure in Odyssey We'll focus on the family with a veggie tale to Godfellas, the small group that meets online. I'm Mr. Zach, and today we are talking about a classic, classic film, The Ten Commandments. You say biblical epic, most people say The Ten Commandments. But before we get into that, ladies and gentlemen, we have two returning guests. Uh, He was an early guest to talk about Darren Aronofsky's masterpiece... Noah, please welcome back to the show, everybody, Mr. Chris Monroe. What up? (laughs) And he talked about Ben-Hur, the other big biblical epic, and he said, when you do Ten Commandments, invite me back. We are doing Ten Commandments, and so he is back. Please welcome to the show,
1: Mr. Joe Frost. Hello, everybody. Yeah, glutton for punishment right here. You got anything that's more than three and a half hours? I'm your guy. (laughs) Apparently the Snyder cup, maybe
0: (laughs)
2: house is next.
0: (laughs) Yes. yes. So, so gentlemen, Chris, I've known you for a while. We go to church together. We work together. We collaborate together. It's fun. And Joe, again, I've, I met you through, uh, international Shakespeare players, which is run by, by Chris Mm -hmm. before he kicked me out. But, uh, I'm, I'm curious. How did, how did you two meet? Grad
2: school. Yeah.
0: It's a great
1: story, correct? Yep, uh,
2: Regent, <laughs> and I think I think our first show that we uh, actually I think I first met Joe on a film set. Ironically, mm. we were both theater that's, people.
1: That's very possible. Um, I we think it was called at,
2: First Date. Mike Hack was the director. I believe
1: that it was true. Uh, and there was a I arrived. Lobby shot. Were you already a full time student when I got there, or did you yeah. just arrive early, start working on a film? I was the oddball like that
2: started I in January. I started ah, in right. the January semester, and then <laughs> I think he came in the fall.
1: That's right. I came in hmm. in hmm. August, uh, living in the student housing there. Got so it. just I mean, the fact that I mean. there was anybody in the student housing during the summer, like, oh, there's a car. Somebody must live there. Hey, <laughs> go get that person. If they're here, we need help on this film set. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah. because yeah. I was yeah. there early, we got started working on on film sets together, even though we were both theater students. Mm-hmm. And then we worked mm-hmm. on the first show together. In- I think was of The Mysteries. The Mysteries, yeah.
2: With Gil Alfgren. Hmm. yeah
0: So um, the reason why we decided to talk about Ten Commandments, aside from the fact that Joe told me that he had bought the double feature of Ben-Hur and <laughs> Ten Commandments, so he had it, is... I already had it. I was... I, I've been very open about how weird I was in high school. I watched this movie... I don't know. I've seen this movie a hundred times. Oh my gosh. I would like I would watch this all the time in high school, like, could not get enough. Um, I remember waking up early before catching the school bus to, like, try to watch as much of it as I could because I was really into biblical epics and I finally, like, got my hands on, like, a VHS copy. And I'm like, yes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch how, it I, and realizing, oh, it's three hours. Tapes, so I put it in. How many the, tapes would that be? Was it two, two tapes? Those was oh, two tapes.
1: I was almost three
0: because yeah. that's a lot of movies. And you didn't even get to the intermission with the first
1: tape. by the way. <laughs> Oh, wow. It's not even the intermission is uh let's see because i had two dvds and so the first yeah. dvd has up until intermission but that's like two mm-hmm. hours and 45 minutes in so it's yeah. well over yeah, half it,
0: exactly yeah and but i watched i watched this movie all the time because wow. that's that's just who i was and then chris when we all uh teach at a program that's run by chris called film fest 47 which we'll talk a little bit more about but chris was uh mentioning he's like zach have you seen ten commandments and i went I think Just it's time a little to bit. do the episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Chris, do you before we get into it, do you want to talk about Film Fest 47?
2: Uh, film Fest 47. It's a film fest for youth ages 10 to 20 years old. Uh, the idea was we would have a film fest uh, and have the actual festival in June, but also provide classes along the way, starting in January for young people who have most likely never made a film before so they wouldn't just be making a film and submitting it for a festival they would also have coaching and instruction along the way and yeah uh, it's a f- the first, first one this year um, so we'll see how it goes
0: yeah we've had some really cool instructors and I sit there <laughs> so it's, it's a lot of fun
2: you're the best sitter actually you sit better than Thank anybody you know I've ever seen
1: children. settle up your- Let my people go.
0: So, Joe, I know that you hadn't seen Ben-Hur prior to doing the episode. Had you right. seen this film or were you aware of it before watching Certainly it?
1: aware of it. Watched clips, talked about it, learned a little bit about it when in, uh, in grad school. But I had absolutely not watched the entire thing. So this was my first time watching through the full epic. Um I think I'd right. seen clips probably the certainly the uh the parting of the red sea uh probably I think I've seen clips of the uh the, the tablets the stone tablets uh all of the big special effects things that made it win an Oscar back in 1956 right. so uh the, that was the reason that everybody was so interested in it you know so I think I've seen those parts yeah. before
0: Yeah and uh Chris what about you?
2: I think the first time I saw it was Uh, we used to go visit a family every so often in Phoenix and they had, they didn't have (laughs) VHS. They had, I don't know if you guys ever saw the laser disc, Yes, the big squares and you would put this cartridge in and you pull it out and then you'd have to flip it over and anyway. So they had a big screen TV and one of those and they were like cutting edge, whatever. And I think they used to play it there. I think that's where I first saw, I don't know that I watched the entire thing, but, um,
1: what age time? are you at
2: this point? Uh, maybe eight or nine. I think I don't know.
0: That's brutal. <laughs> but ju- I just remember uh, the image remember-
2: of the the walls of water on either side of the Red Sea. That's always been like my reference mentally yeah. for the.
0: Well, I remember before I I was gonna watch it. There was some lady at my church who was like, "Oh, when we saw you know the parting of the Red Sea, it, it blew our minds back in the day." She's like, "I mean, I'm sure you're not gonna be impressed by it, but it was very impressive back in the day." And I'll say like that sequence, watching it today, like I I did find it very impressive because there is a sense of, you know, today when we see special effects, like, oh, they did that with a computer. But when when I watch like them do this, I'm genuinely like, I know you reversed the footage, but like, how did you pull it off? Like, how did you do it? How did you make it like believable and work? So I found this film very impressive in a lot of the technical Mm -hmm. ways. And I mean it's filled with incredible actors and it's directed by Cecil B. DeMille, probably one of the you know top 20 greatest filmmakers of all time. But I'm curious from from both of you after finally watching this movie um, in its entirety, uh, what, did, what did you think?
1: I think watching it through for the first time, you know, top to bottom, watching everything and having just watched uh, Ben-Hur, you know, a couple of months back or whatever for our previous conversation, uh, it was hard to not it was hard not to connect the two while watching 10 commandments and 10 commandments came first to the success of right. 10 commandments was why they made Ben Hur. I don't man. There's it's, it's tough. There, the the Ben Hur is a lot more hmm, Is is action packed the right word for a, a four hour <laughs> biblical Epic, like
0: <laughs> sweaty dudes are, there's rolling. a lot
1: of rowing. <laughs> there's the whole yeah. chariot sequence, which holds up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, there is not that much of that in the Ten Commandments. Sure. Um, there's some real interesting, uh, if you're not expecting them and you didn't study the cast list or whatever ahead of time, like as I didn't, uh, there's plenty of surprises for you when you go, is that Vincent Price? Yes, it is Vincent Price. <laughs> oh, yeah. is that Vincent- Edward G. Robinson? Is that Yvonne DiCarlo? Like, what? Uh, what? A- <laughs> how did you collect all of these human beings together to make this movie? I don't understand what's happening right now, but you know, we're all working actors. So you just go do whatever movie you can get into. Uh, So that held my interest pretty well. I wouldn't, it's tough. There's a couple of roles where I think they were, they were well acted. I mean, uh-huh. I think there's a, there's a certain weight that you have to carry to be in an, any movie like this, a biblical sure. epic. So you're just carrying around, that weight and for uh, Charlton Heston in this movie, the weight is literal because the weight of that wig and that beard had to get heavier and heavier every time you <laughs> turned around. Second <laughs> half of this movie is just the parade of beards and giant oh. wigs, and he got bigger every scene. And I, by the end, of like, the eighties, that, that has got to be ten pounds <laughs> of hair. Like there's, there's no way that wig less than weighs I less. I love than when
2: more. he comes back from the burn. I think it's the Burning Bush. He comes back and she's like i was like what's <laughs> up with his hair he just he left one scene with one yes. hair dude and he came yes. and she's like yeah. he i was like oh that's part was, of the story like
0: his hair is streaks
1: yeah. and everything yeah
0: he saw the face of god Chris. <laughs> so so um yeah question i was watching this and i think in my in my notes with the actors i wrote <laughs> edward g robinson in this movie is a clown he seems like he's because I know he did Fair. like gangster movies. Yeah. He seems like he's in a totally different movie. Ah, this guy Moses brought us out here to die. See, huh? right? And I was like, yeah. I mean, Vincent Price. That <laughs> Vincent Price feels like he's maybe phoning it in, but he's
1: having a good time. It could be like it's just definitely yeah. he's he's a lot younger than you expect him to be, and he didn't have the mustache or the beard or any of that stuff in this. Mm-hmm. So instant, you don't instantly recognize him. It's when he starts talking. You're like, oh my gosh, that's absolutely Vincent Price's voice. Uh but yeah. then, then it takes you a second to scan through the picture and figure out which which guy is mouth is moving, where is this voice coming from? It's not a voiceover.
0: Yeah. He's literally on the yeah. screen. Yeah. And and then I think I wrote down uh, what do they call her in the movie? Um Yoshibel. I'm like, I think Yoshibel might be the best actress in this movie, Moses mom. Ma- <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> like like the scene where um, he's like, look me in the eye and tell you you're not my mother, and she's like, if you can bow oh, before yeah. gods of wood and stone, I was like, D- I don't know who this woman is, but she's like, I know you're all a list actors, but step up your game, y'all. She because, she
1: crushed that moment yeah. for sure.
0: So Joe, I don't want to compare this too much to Ben, her, mm. and and Chris. You, I'd love to hear you weigh in on this too, as a as a fellow director. Which film has the better Heston performance, Ben-Hur or, or this one?
2: I haven't seen Ben-Hur in a long time, so I, I can't.
0: What, if, what have you been doing? A while <laughs> well, the last Ben-Hur. week After and watching. a half,
2: I've been trying to get through the Ten Commandments movie.
1: <laughs> Given that you've seen the Ten Commandments now, what is your guess? Is, is his performance in Ben-Hur better Ben-Hur. than what you just watched?
2: I would say Ben-Hur. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess. have to
1: say, hands down, his performance in Ben-Hur mm-hmm. is better than this. Yeah, uh, There's a point. Yeah, of Okay, so what I did, I, I kind of live tweeted my experience. So there's a full yes. record of my of the times where questions or, uh, or comments occur to yes. me. And it's, you know, for me, I don't tweet that much. So it's a lot for me, but it wasn't like every single moment. And there's a point at which I ate lunch in the middle of it. So I stopped tweeting, but not knowing why Charlton Heston got chosen for this movie. I actually wrote, tweeted, Heston plays this like he's a statue of Moses. Mm. And it's funny. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I I, I think I wrote in, in my notes also, the whole first half of the movie before he, you know, decides he's going to take on the task that God calls him to, I thought was more interesting. Like that part of the movie, I was like, all right, cool, let's go. And then the second half of the movie where the, there's the action, for lack of a better term, like the plagues and the Red Sea. Well, and all some that of the stuff. plagues. I was, like, I'm, I was like, I'm less interested because I think Hessen at that point stops being a character. And like you said, just becomes like he just walks around quoting scripture. And I think I think the movie even calls it out, and that Ann Baxter shows up to, uh, what's her name, Yvonne DiCarlo, mm-hmm. and she says, "Um, you know, oh, so you're his wife now, and she's like, yeah, and she goes, you lost him when he went looking for his God, I lost him when he found his you're God. Like, oh, I was like, oh, oh the loopy nose? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Chris, what did you think?
2: This year I've been reading just the Torah, just like the first five books, mm-hmm. and so interestingly, I'm at this point actually. Nice. Uh, I started in like whatever second or third day of January and went through Genesis. Now I'm at the beginning of Exodus and I'm actually right reading this part of the Exodus story as I watch the movie. So, uh, it's very fresh in my mind. So I, and I think my, the most important thing to me is the story. And, Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things, one of the notes I have here is, you know, I feel like they didn't just go, let's tell the story that that's written. And I get it that he, mm-hmm. there's some poetic license, but I know that in, in the beginning, and I missed it. My wife saw it. Abby saw it. She said they referenced the sources that the yes, this right. movie's taken from, uh, and it's not just the Bible. It's like two or three other ones, right? Um, I didn't catch what those were. I was trying to look it up before I got on this, but um, for my my I guess one of my questions is, and this isn't to be so overly you know puritanical and judgmental, but it's like why not just tell the story that's written? You know, in the, as it as it is in because what I found in the in this production was they were like, let's also make a soap opera. OK, there's this love triangle between Pharaoh's daughter and Moses and Zephora. And like, right. oh, and then he comes back and she's like, well, you're my old flame. And-, and now I'm married and I still have feelings. You know, it's like, but, but also Yul Brenner too. I'm not attracted to Yul Brenner.
0: No, I'm saying the love triangle because it starts. It starts Moses Yule and Ann Baxter, and then it shifts over. I don't, I don't sorry, after the after
1: love
2: quadrangle. Brenner, that's what I meant to say. The love quadrangle.
1: After watching Yule Brenner in those short skirt like Egyptian <laughs> jobs, that guy's got legs. I'm not saying that i a attracted. Maybe has a
2: has a new series coming cow, out of those for guys. <laughs> the Brenner, that
1: guy would walk on screen. I, every single time, like this guy is built to play roles exactly like this. Oh my gosh, yeah. it was so great. He's a living Sphinx. Knowing that, um, he was actually on Broadway in King and I during the filming.
2: Oh like wow. there's
1: points at which he had to like do a show, fly to do to the set, do some scenes, and then fly back and do wow. more King and
2: I crazy. That's which is crazy. only
1: even more impressive
2: that's amazing yeah.
1: there's like real connection to all of all of those great performances we know of from him because they were all happening at the same time
2: but I guess wow. i you know if 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 they had cut out the soap opera you know it wouldn't be three hours mm-hmm. and forty five minutes first of sure. all um or it could be less and that does not that it has to be but I just was wondering I mean there were so many changes in the text and the things that they did in the licenses and that's fine I know that you're gonna have to fill it stuff in but right. it just felt like they were trying they were telling another story alongside of of that it's almost like you know no, no criticism against that but like Titanic right it's like the Titanic like that whole story of this ship sinking and everything and it's like and and then let's also tell this tale of these two people right. that fall in love and I'm like I get it you know, but that's kind of like what happened here in I think the Ten Commandments. But but
1: there's a difference between shooting a documentary about the Titanic mm-hmm. and trying to make a movie that's going to, that we're going to find ways of attaching ourselves to emotionally. True.
2: I just uh, find right. I just find in the text of in the Exodus, I find a lot of dramatic things that they we're just didn't address. You know, like the fact yeah. that the you know the midwives were helping the helping save these babies that were supposed to be killed right out of the gate and we totally skip over the midwives like they were kind of a hero of why moses was even alive we just skip over that i'm like that's dramatic like there was a lot of things like that point you know in in the story yeah
0: and i and i and i will say though you know from a strictly storytelling perspective I really liked, you know, some of the liberties that they took, like with the love triangle, like whatever. But I liked the fact that Moses is the one who's actually more equipped to lead Egypt. And I really I liked Nefertiri like in that at first she seems really like, oh, Moses, Moses, Moses. And you're like, OK, I get it. But then she kills Memnet. And I was like, okay, like, <laughs> she's she has a dark side. There's nothing that she won't do for like the guy that she loves. And I was like, I, I get this character. It's going to be really heartbreaking when she has to like, see the man she loves come, like come home. And then I felt like they kind of dropped the ball because at that point, Charlton Heston, like you said, Joe has become like a statue of, of the character. And he's like, just totally wooden in that second half of the movie. Yeah, just flat, flat but, rejects
1: her yeah. whenever she comes back to him when he, yeah. It, so it's, yeah, there, there, there's, there's, there's yeah. no much payoff for that as a romantic right. circle, not that, and, you right. know, then, then you're adding even more, uh, like Chris is talking about, <laughs> you're adding even more right. to this story to 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 sell that. But it became really interesting because by the time we get down into the plagues and stuff and you talk about the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, it was really all by prompting of this character that was added. So it takes on a kind of different Feel to it when the biblical story focuses on the Lord hardened his heart or allowed his heart to be hardened. Uh, it was really this connection with uh, Nefertiti that her <laughs> hounding Ramesses is what really, really did it.
0: Yeah. Joe, you just hit on my big weird thing with this movie, which is that in a movie that is almost four hours long, you're only going to show us like three plagues
1: oh yeah the plague i was so disappointed we're not
0: gonna see i'm here to see all the plagues cecil and 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 again like this movie like is very personal to cecil joe i'm reading on twitter you you wrote i know it's hard to stand up to the director (laughs) but someone should have told cecil that his
1: voiceovers were too much too much his voiceovers were so unnecessary not not only are there too many of them But the ones that were there, especially in the second half, he's like, oh, he's talking over the scene where we're watching the children of Israel get up out of Egypt to leave. And he's telling us that they're getting up to leave Egypt. Why? We're (laughs) we're watching that right now. Shut up, man.
0: Yeah. And I think that that's kind of where I... I do see what Chris is saying, which is that, yeah, they omit stuff. Like they cut out entire plagues. Most they of, cut the- out entire yeah, because of the love scenes yeah. because
2: of those like romantic tension scenes. I'm like,
0: well, and, and, and again, again, I, I hate to be this guy, but we talked about in the Ben, Hur episode that back in the early days of Hollywood, your movie could only have sexual content or violence if it was biblically based. And there's like a five minute scene where Jethro's like, Thank you for fixing my land, Moses. And now my daughters are going to come in and dance for you, and you're going to pick one of them to be your wife. And they dedicate like a solid maybe five minutes to the to them dancing. And the guy's like, oh, ha, 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 "You lucky dog, Moses." And I was like, "That's what I told Abby." That's why I looked at there. Abby and I
2: said, "This is how you know a man directed this film." Let's just have women <laughs> come in and randomly dance, just to dance, like.
0: Yeah, it's like Cecil's. Like I can tell they're getting a little bored. Let me.
1: <laughs> Gotta throw a dance scene in here.
0: Let me just
2: say, story-wise, sorry, I'm just gonna pull this yes, yes, yes. to the left a little bit. You know, I felt yes. like, you know, this the film, the story, the storytellers were a little bit too aware of what was happening. Like they made this whole thing. They totally stole from like the New Testament. Like they had, oh, this Messiah is coming, and it's, you know, I'm like, mm. that's what happened with Herod and Jesus being born and you know, the magi last came last
0: night our astronomers saw an evil star at the beginning. I'm of like, yeah, you were be exactly taking right. this you're from exactly the new Testament.
2: Right. This did not happen. So in the old Testament, the way I read it, the way I've seen it. And recently even like things just happen. Like they knew, for example, here's another example, you know, they're like, Oh, there's this burning bush out there. And Moses is like, I better go check this thing out anyway. And he goes there and he has this big revelation. That's great. But I'm like, nobody knew about the burning bush. It just, he was out in the field and, there it was. It just happened, you know? Right. There was no, like, we knew ahead of time. And there's, like, so much, there's, in my opinion, too much self-awareness story-wise. Now, I think, let me just give some credit to the film, but I think the renderings, Mount Sinai, Mount Sinai yeah. and fire, I mean, Impressive. amazing. I mean, no CGI. Yeah. I'll t- Actually, I would yeah. take this over some CGI that I've seen, you know, as dated as it is.
0: It's better than Exodus, Gods, and Kings. I'll
2: take it. I'm like, this is amazing. And I can, you know, I can tell where the mat starts and where the set, you know, ends and all that stuff. Fine. But it it, it works because it's artistically and well done. You know, it's not just a digital program that they use to create. And that's all well and good. I'm not discounting that. But, you know, it's refreshing, I should say, to see, like, actual artistry an actual artwork done as part of the set and the set design. So I I have to give it major um, costumes, major, major props for all that stuff. It was um, all those people on set at the same time. There's no CGI in that there's when you see those 50 people, there are 50 people on set or however many, maybe more than that. So I thought that was really
1: there were were ultimately like 13,000 extras and 15,000 animals. Wow.
2: See, I mean, that's That's impressive. That's amazing. See, that's, that's, yeah. uh, I have so much respect for that, but when it comes to the story and there's just parts in the story, I'm like that where you, you're getting this from the new Testament. Okay. Well, you know, and th- you, I don't know, don't mean to step on your toes, Zach, but this film, I realized sure. I'm like, Oh, this is the same plot line, the same story framework that they use for Prince of Egypt. Sure. You know, it's I'm like, Oh, yeah. it's the same thing. Well,
0: I mean, uh, well and and I mean full disclosure the point of Prince of Egypt they pitched it as we're remaking the 10 commandments. Okay. Wow. So like that was literally like I think Katzenberg had been trying to get Disney to do it for years and Eisner kept saying no. Then when they started Dreamworks Spielberg said, "Why don't you guys do the 10 commandments?" and they were like, "There we go." So it so Prince of Egypt is a full remake of this so, movie. side note, sorry, the-
2: side note, um, while, well, when Joe yeah. and I were at Regent, we had a professor named Terry Lindvall who actually was flown out, this is in Virginia, he was flown out to LA as one of the consultants when they started to do final mm-hmm. cuts of the film to get feedback from people because they consulted as, as far as I understand, like the Muslim community, Christian community, and the Jewish community, they consulted yeah. all of them. Mm-hmm. What do you think? How is this? Because you know, I'm sure they wanted to be able to sell to everybody.
1: And ironically, that's yeah. what they did for Ten Commandments as well. Right at the beginning of the film, yeah. in the credits, they had done that same thing, oh, and there were the names of the people that consulted Phyla, from the different, yeah, yeah. yeah, Well, oh, yeah, the,
0: and the holy scriptures.
1: The, oh, yeah.
2: all of them:
0: New Testament,
1: <laughs> Christian leader, Muslim leader, that were all like consulted in the making of the film.
0: Yeah yeah i'm looking through joe's tweets oh joe uh, so now i have to run an- up the that- answer for
1: all my tweets <laughs>
0: <laughs> well so one of the things i really <laughs> liked as as a kid was and chris i'm interested to hear what what you have to say about this i liked the addition of joshua's character mm. and <sighs> i i want to be i want to be mindful I'm saying this we just recorded an episode about Esther and we talked about how you know Esther has been you know romanticized a, a little bit and we've turned it into Cinderella mm. and you know it's really actually not like a nice cute story it's actually pretty like disturbing mm. in a lot yeah. of ways so what I liked with the character I think her name Lilia the water girl I you know there was the the scene where everyone is like trying to get her to be their house slave and it's like yeah you see that even like all forms of slavery are terrible. Like, even though they're like, we're going to brush your hair with sandalwood and bathe you in precious oils that she's still like, no, no, like, no, this is, this is scary. This is terrifying. So I, I liked seeing that aspect. Cause I don't think that's a side we ever see. Like we see like the Israelites were enslaved because getting whipped is bad. And this is like, no, there was also like probably mm-hmm. multiple forms of, you know, violence and abuse that were taking place. So even though the movie kind of like dipped its toes in there, I had respect for them being ambitious, yep. but I really enjoyed the addition of, of Joshua. In to me, song. that I'm makes, sure it makes
2: sense though, because he obviously yeah. had to have been alive. Right? right. You know, just logically that he was probably alive during that time. And so he was doing something, you know, and he was with them. So those kinds of liberties I think, yeah, are very interesting, you know, yeah. but it's when there's like, blatant changes i'm like well like in the beginning let me just i have to harp on this a little bit he's like (laughs) because like the narration joe's favorite you know of i think it's (laughs) cecil you know doing his narration he's like because man just wants to have power over other men they want to enslave them i'm like and i showed this to evie it was like if you go back and look at what happens i think it's genesis 45 or 46 chapter you know they sold themselves Because they were, they were still in the famine and then they first give up their money, then they give up their livestock and then they said, now we give you ourselves. So there was already an established, like we have indentured ourselves to the state essentially. And so that's where that came from. It just happened to keep going on and on and on to where it it was became oppressive, but. Um, that's what it was born out of. It wasn't just like suddenly like one group decides we want to have power and rule over this other group of people. It, right. it just seemed very generic. And I'm like, well, that's not really what how it happened.
0: The whole movie, it seems like because of how Moses wrestles with what he believes about the, this Hebrew God, like the stuff that was the most interesting for me, the soul searching and the way that the movie, you know, almost kind of paints God in this very almost cruel way without ever explaining things like when he says you know your god turns his face away from his people if there is a god he wouldn't allow this like all that stuff with moses that just kind of gets like brushed to the side which and i know that that's not in you know the bible we don't see that but it was more kind of like cecil was almost like saying yeah, like, I like Moses, but this God guy, like, no, no, thank you. But then you look at his filmography, and he was doing, like, um, what was the other movie? Samson, the original Ten Commandments, like, King of Kings. Like, he did a lot of biblical films. But, again, knowing now that that's the only way you could have a movie with teeth, for lack of a better term. So, my thing is, the whole movie, I was like, he doesn't... Cecil seems like he wanted to make a big, like, epic movie, and this was the best way he could do it. But then the end of the movie... They put the Ten Commandments on the screen and it's like, so it was written, so now it shall be done. (laughs) And I was like, okay, like, Cecil, you came out at the beginning and said that this is a movie about the story of the birth of freedom and that men shouldn't be ruled by other men. And now you're saying, then you get into like, you know, God is cruel and is not just all the time. But then the second half of the movie is just straight up the Bible, (laughs) And it ends with you literally showing the Ten Commandments and telling everyone, yes, do this. So here's my big question. What is the actual message of this movie?
1: That's a tough one. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> because part of it what are they trying is to say? what, you know, You sort of a little bit of what you're talking about. He's taking this roundabout way and trying to embellish uh, pretty significantly on what is just actual scripture. By filling it with other historical act, uh, accounts of the time, or non-historical other accounts of close to that time, I think there's, there's also some question marks about some of those uh, the, the things that he's adding in from other sources, whether or not they're historical or they're you know completely you know fables. Um, but oh. <clears throat> the other thing to think about is that this movie is being made in 1956, and really the couple of years before that. I think it was about five years it took to make this thing. So we're talking about 1950s America, where this is being made, uh, where this is blacklist era. This is
0: McCarthyism.
1: Mm. This is uh, the Trumbo. Trumbo. This is fear of communism. Um, And uh, Cecil B. DeMille was, you know, for better or worse, a uh, very staunch conservative figure in Hollywood at the time, uh, which is uh, accounts for his rise to prominence and his ability to spend an outrageous $13.4 million on this movie in, in the 50s, um, yeah. which is just outrageous. Uh, so there's a big piece of this where, especially at the end, when Moses sends everybody off to go into the promised land, he sort of sends them off with the, okay, now go into all the lands and tell everybody about freedom he doesn't really mention God so much at that point. He just says, Go tell him about freedom. This is a very American thing. This is a very mm-hmm. anti-communism thing. Uh, mm-hmm. and I think there's a there is a level to which that is a big part of his perspective in making this film at the time that he's making it. Uh, I think it would be it would be naive to to set that aside. I think that's a big part of why some of the things come across the way they do, even at the beginning to stand up and say, this is the tale of the birth of freedom. Well, no, it isn't because there was a lot of freedom before this. Like a lot of it. There was a lot of freedom. Um, and then there was less freedom. And then there was getting some freedom back. And this may not even have been all of the freedom right now. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, um, I think there's a there's a point to which this this uh the way this movie comes across is really that that pro-american freedom anti-communism statement
0: right uh yeah joe um quick fact check you said that the movie cost 13 million in 1956 which today would equal roughly 126 million yeah
1: that's (laughs) that's a lot that's still not even the most all time but it's still one of the highest grossing movies ever they actually made of whatever that was back
0: yeah the i think adjusted for inflation i was reading the eighth highest grossing film (laughs) of all time uh chris one of the things i love about you chris i love recommending movies to you and then talking about what they mean like you know ghost story lighthouse um what was the other one? uncut gems like uh the witch i love giving you all these movies and then being like all right chris like let's let's talk about it now for however many hours what so, with Ten Commandments, and I know that you know you love the Bible dearly and you love bringing scripture to life uh through the stage and and you know through the means that you have necessary, what do you think about the the message that that this film has for the audience? It's mm, a good question
2: um <clears throat> i mean i I think in Hollywood they care about the box office and how much you know they're gonna make and that's not I'm not trying to be hard and 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 mean about it but it's a business so they care about you know pleasing audiences (laughs) and selling their product um i think they're using source material that people are quite familiar with and um people hold you know dearly um and i think they're kind of writing that but at the same time kind of adding in at these moments that we've talked about joe you know with the Pro American thing, and then you know they're just at, he's kind of in this anti God thing that you mentioned, Zach. Kind of like you know, just add, he's using you know he's towing the line of like you know everybody knows, and I'm just going to add in my own little commentary, sort of. Oh. So I don't know that there's a. It's hard to say that there's a, a cohesive message overall because I don't think it's like a writer director with his own pet project that he loves and he has something to say and he's making it. I, I it's very well, difficult.
0: I I don't know, though, when you think about, like, that Cecil, like, he produced, directed, like, co-wrote, and even does the voiceover in the movie. Like, I kind of think, like, you know, maybe he was just older and losing some of his marbles a little bit. But, like, I have to think that this was, in some ways, a passion
1: project. And he made it twice. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. a 1923 silent film that he made of the Ten Commandments. Oh, he
2: made that one, too?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah dude so that's i saw
2: that on and the is, TV, but I and didn't this know was
1: that. his last film he was 75 years old
2: that's see that's yeah. the most impressive thing is that is his age i was like wait a minute right. he died in this year that means he was 70 something when he yeah. made this one i'm like he died in 59 i think this was made 56 or something yeah i was like um this was his
1: last. this was his last film and the story goes that he had a heart attack on set um mm-hmm. climbing up some, some high thing to get to one of the, mm-hmm. the uh the the wide shot cameras, had a heart attack, only took two days off and tried wow. not to yeah. report it because if he wow. reported it then you know the film the the studio probably was gonna shut it down and recoup the money out of uh uh out of the insurance.
0: They would have had Carl Dunham come <laughs> in from
1: I just
2: think these stories, <laughs> these stories are not you can't just waltz into these stories. I mean I I understand like, you know, Darren Aronofsky, he had a passion for Noah, you know, I get it, but there's, I think, you know, I'll just say there's always going to be the temptation for the auteur, for the person directing the film, writing the film, producing the film to inject their commentary, what they believe about that story into the, into that production. And so I think it's very hard for anybody, regardless of your faith or anything. To just go to the, this Bible and try to reproduce those stories because it's, it's so powerful. It's so potent. It's not just something you can, oh, I can tell that story. You're going right. to invariably add your, whatever interpretation, right or wrong, you're going to do that. You're going to, you're going to get your fingerprints all over it somehow. And so, I mean, if you're asking, what do I think Cecil B. DeMille's trying to say with this film? I don't know. I mean, I think I think That's if hard. we're gonna get political, I mean, I think probably Joe's statement is 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 a strong one for that. What
0: were you, you know? saying about Eddie G. Robinson only signing on the movie because of whatever? Yeah, he
1: got in trouble for being really leftist. Um, and oh. I think there was at least one other person as well. And part of their way oh, it was uh Bernstein. Uh Elmer Bernstein oh. in the oh. score the score was incredible. Absolutely. Uh, and both of them, taking this film and being a part of something like this with DeMille and with Heston, and you know the the whole rest of the cast and everything, that was part of their process of trying to earn the trust of the public back from having been t- caught up in a lot of the scandals and being viewed as very with very uh, leftist ideas. Um, This was a way for them to sort of get back in the good good graces of Hollywood. Yeah.
2: I mean, it's a very, Uh, I think it's a very difficult thing, a very rare thing, a very hard thing to do. A very challenging thing to just say, I'm going to make this story as, as integrity, you know, as, as. As I see it, as I read this text, I'm going to make the movie that I think that this is that this is happening. It's I think because there's a lot of things get that get filtered in like the loves. It's like, that's not even in the text. There's not even an allusion to this in the text of any love triangle, for example. You know, it's it's who is doing that? Who's trying to make the film as it as they read it? Because this dramatic enough. I don't I mean, yeah, you can make you have to interpret things. But to add things in to make it more dramatic, I'm like, there's enough drama in this as a story. Like, I mean, it's I think it's a very difficult thing. It's a very challenging thing to tell the story as it's as written. But I don't see people doing that. And that's probably because it is so difficult. You
1: know, Chris, you make me think all kinds of things, man. You you throw out stuff like that and you make me think all the things and I can't ever respond to all of them because I forget them. (laughs) By the time it's my <laughs> turn to talk, uh, one, and then when you start I, to
2: talk, I'll interrupt you. Sorry,
1: I try, I gotta <laughs> say something. Good grief. Uh, so he comes out at the beginning, DeMille does, and gives us a little brief little lecture about what he was thinking in going into making this story. And I don't fully disagree with you on the fact that scripture is dramatic and, and dramatic enough whatever that might mean. Um, Right. uh, So I understand coming from the place of saying, why do you need to add all this stuff? Uh, When what he talked about at the beginning of the movie, as much as I can remember, and I could be wrong on some of this, that there's big gaps in time. Uh, We talk about him as a baby. Then we talk about him, you know, well, I don't know what the next step is, but we miss, we miss big sections and understanding why, uh, certain things happened and certain perspectives happened and what may have led to X, Y, Z thing happening in the story later on. So he's trying to, he was attempting to take a couple of other texts created by ancient people uh, to help fill in the story. Now, it's not it's, it's not part of the biblical canon, so there's question marks as to what is, do we believe this is true or is it not true or is it just a story about a figure named Moses, so who even knows. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's, you know, the likelihood that there are plenty of things that aren't any of those things that they just added. I think he, he if I recall right, he, they mentioned two like novels and then a couple of yeah. ancient figures who had written texts and then the Holy Scriptures. So yeah, he, he, was, he was bringing in a whole bunch of stuff and frankly enough that it would be very hard to go through the whole thing and say, this came from here, this mm-hmm. came from there. Uh, At that point, this just all gets rolled together. And unfortunately, for generations of people, this becomes, it gets treated as if it's Holy Scripture, even though at the beginning of the film, he comes out and says it isn't. But it gets, but it, but that's the, that's the beginning of four hours of movie. You forget that by the time you get to the end. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Right. And I think that's, yeah. It leads to other questions then. How, how do you, how do I? How do I take make anything? How do I make anything that is only the scripture? Right, right. Because right. anything that anybody is going to make is going to be filtered through whatever yes. view that they're going to yes. have.
2: Yeah, and I don't right, disagree. Right. And I and I yeah, right. there's a balance to what what I said. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, yeah. we did we did and, <laughs> we did the Book of Hosea as a dance musical, and we used Carol King music. So there was a lot of like. In no that,
1: that's, and- that's that's that uh that scans that's true <laughs> yeah so
0: so b- before we before we move into the the using our manners joe once again i'm looking at your twitter and <laughs> i've realized what the point of this movie was. oh no after world after world war ii cecil releases samson and and if you haven't seen it in in his version of samson like samson's like A big, strong, nice guy who doesn't really, like, do anything bad. He just beats up all of his enemies really well. And, you know, it's kind of very much Mm -hmm. like, yeah, after America just finished World War II, here's our... Look at our big hero, Samson, right? America is Sam... (laughs) America's Samson. Even though we got beaten into a corner, even at the end we still won. No matter what happens, we still win mm-hmm. because we're one nation under God. And Joe, reading your um Twitter, there is a line in the movie where someone says, "Hey Moses, yes. stand up on that rock so the people can see you and have hope." And I think that's the point of this movie. I think it's Cecil trying to say like, "Hey, are you afraid of communism?" <laughs> Look at look at Moses because he's – look at this movie. Like you're going to have hope. Like everything is going to be okay. Like that's sort of the filmmaking. And, you know, when I read the story of Moses in the Bible, he, I don't walk away going everything is going to be okay. Like literally they get down and they're already worshiping idols. Then oh, God man. makes them water in the desert for 40 yep. years. Then they don't want to go into the promised land. It's like, yeah, no, the story of the the, the message of the Bible is not – everything is going to be okay. And it's not like we're always going to defeat our enemies. It's, you know, like to me, the story of Moses is, you know, go stand before Pharaoh, even if you have a speech impediment, you know, go and yeah, do but, the word
2: okay. God But you did even. not in the film a I mean, no speech
1: impediment. Right.
2: So here, here this is <laughs> no. the whole thing though. Here's the whole thing is that this is my issue is that, and this is why I'm reading the stories the way I'm reading them this year is because I feel like we are understanding of these stories mm-hmm. our understanding of these stories. I'll talk about myself. I can't help, but think of, Oh, I remember when this person preached about this story and used that in a sermon. And then this mm-hmm. person, I saw this movie in it. And there's so much crap in my mind about the stories. I'm like, I just want to know the story for what it is for what did happen and what didn't happen and filter all that other stuff out and just understand the story for what it is and let and not even with my own filter of like well this is what i have to personally internalize of what this means to me and how i'm going to apply it in my life application bible which i have but i'm like (laughs) can i just like can i just like look at the 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 nuts and bolts of the raw unfiltered story
0: well folks it's about that time where we're going to use our Manners Just like when they offered you more generic brown sugar pop tarts at uh, Sunday school When I offer you more of uh, the Ten Commandments You will give me a yes please or a no thank you So for for both you guys, this is Do you want more Christian content like this? Yes please or no thank you And uh, Joe, why don't we go to you first?
1: I, for a moment, was preparing an answer in my head, and then somewhere around the end of the question, the question changed, and I now I don't know my answer. Because uh, okay. initially I was preparing to say, no, thank you, I don't need to watch 10 Commandments anymore, uh, in, in and of itself. I think I've got it. Um, and I think there's some other stuff I probably need to do, probably just reading scripture is one of them. Uh, more More Christian stories like this, Ooh, that's a big question because as chris was talking about before there's a lot of danger in how much someone else is going to add to the story uh while at the same time I, I i there is a part of me that feels like that's all we can do is mm. provide some artistic expression that provides another context to the scripture because otherwise just read the scripture what i'm right. making can't be scripture or text i'm not making the bible i can't there is a bible we right. all can read that well, the only thing that i can do is provide a context and, and perspective on it that allows you to consider alongside and against the scripture to uh, if I can help illuminate the scripture more, that would be helpful. But right. I would always run the risk of, uh, of of running contrary or adding too much. Maybe I'll make the Pop-Tarts. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll just make some homemade Pop-Tarts. That's fine, too. Yeah. That's fine, too.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, Chris, what about you?
1: There's moments
2: in the film that when they're so on point, it happens so many times where you know god gives the ten commandments or um i can't think of all like the parting of the red sea pharaoh's army goes in they barely make it out you know they make it a little bit dramatic and then it crashes i mean when it's on point it's great it's fantastic and the fact that there anybody's doing i I would never want to discourage these kinds of productions from being done because seeing it as a film like you know most people just don't Pour over the scripture, maybe they just read it. And they're like, "Oh, okay, I don't understand that, but I'll keep going." And I read it, whatever. But you know, seeing it dis- depicted on a screen or on stage, it kind of like, "Oh, I never thought about that. Yeah, that must have been the case, obviously." That you know, and I think there's a lot of revelation, a lot of opportunity to for a fuller, richer understanding of the scripture. So I would never want to discourage it from being done, and I, I would never go, "Well, this isn't perfect," so. Right. poop on you um you know i would never want to have that attitude but i am going to talk about if it's not if it's different i'm like well i'm going to point it out like well that's you know he wasn't predicted as a messiah there was no prediction of a messiah during moses time you know um i i think i'm gonna go with He might surprise you i will say more please yes i love the brown sugar pop dart.
1: Um, the generic ones, though, not oh. the name brand.
2: <laughs> generic are yeah. better because they're cheaper and I can eat more.
0: Um. <laughs> the Costco brand, for Costco brand. Costco brand. Costco um, brand. And you know what? I think it's challenging because I have a lot of nostalgia for. There's lonely fourteen year old Zach deep down in my heart who's still watching this mm-hmm. in his parents' basement every Saturday, and is just blown away and wondering like, why don't they make movies in general like this anymore? Whereas like in your big epic, like the colors are all so bright and vibrant. And it seems like everyone in the cast is having so much fun before the intermission. (laughs) (laughs) But but, yeah, so, you know, and then, but upon this rewatch, it was weird to just like have it really fall off the map for me. And that like, it took me days to get through the movie. And, you know, I watch long movies all, all the time. So, you know, it made me a little bit sad. But again, like, you, I don't think you can knock the, the craft and how it's almost shot like it's a play. <laughs> like, literally every scene is like, okay, like, here's this one scene, the camera's always rolling. So there's so much that I watch and I marvel at. But then when it gets down to the biblical element and the faith elements, I'm like, this is messy. This is clunky and all the interesting points that the movie does bring up they kind of drop the ball on when they come back after the, the intermission mm-hmm. and I see that happen all the time and I see in Christian media now they confuse you know God for America <laughs> you know I see that happen all the time and you see it happen in this movie happens in churches so I, yeah yeah so I think that while while I do have a very special place in my heart for this movie, I think just based on everything I have to say there are better options than the brown sugar pop tarts give me you know the smores or, or, the, or even the hot fudge and I'm gonna have to pass on these ones and say) no. If you haven't seen this movie and you're a big film fan, I would suggest checking it out because it really did change the game in a lot of ways and it is a very important film in American cinema. But if you're looking for, you know, an accurate retelling of the Bible, this, uh, this isn't quite it. Joe and Chris, thank you so much for uh, for coming back on the show, for coming back for more, um, and for taking the assignment seriously. I I know that it's easy to I think I got I think I got the movie, but it means a lot that you watched it and you did research and you came prepared to uh, talk about this film. Is there anything that either of you would like to um, plug? Aside from Joe's Twitter, before we before we go,
2: <laughs> yeah, theater three fifteen forward slash film fest forty seven. Go there.
0: <laughs> we'll put the link in the in the show notes. Uh, Joe, is there anything you'd like to plug?
1: Well, we've got a lot of projects going on with my theater company, the Floodlight Theater Company. Uh, we've uh, been making a lot of short video of uh, sort of uh, physical theater. Uh, project since we can't have audiences we uh we shoot videos of them instead
2: they're great they're really great i
0: love them yeah that's awesome yeah and if you like this podcast why don't you check out our other podcast is it really where we talk about normal (laughs) movies um and you can check out everything that we're doing on all of your social media accounts the the real boys The R E E L boys and if you maybe want to talk to us a little bit more and have a fun conversation, a deeper conversation with the community, you can find our private Facebook group, The Real Lounge, if that's interesting to you. Then why don't you reach out and say, let me in. And we, we will let you in if you're, if you're cool, if you're, you know, mean, you, no, no bullies allowed. No, uh-huh. none of, if you're acting like Baca in the Ten Commandments, you uh, can right? you cannot come right.
1: In. No, yeah. that's not cool. <laughs>
0: But until next time, I've been Mr. Zach.
2: I've been Mr. Chris.
1: And I'm Mr. Joe. Well, the adventure is
0: over. We're all heading home. But I hope that you know, friends, you're never
2: Just want to say one thing about yeah. joshua that you had mentioned yes, before when the it. water girl brings the water to him and then she like kind of like like joshua like she's into him and he's like water,
0: water, girl, water
2: before water. love my dear like every night looked at each <laughs> other we about fell off the couch laughing that was awesome <laughs>